Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you very much. It says Chuck O in the program you have. Most of the time it's O Chuck. I came first in 1987. Banger took a chance on a new organization, and we came. I was invited, and I think I was the only person here who spoke on Islam. And today, I hope all of you go to the Global Village. You will see what God is doing in the Muslim world, and it is marvelous to see. And it's a privilege to be a part of it. I always tell people, you know, the first miracle in the Bible was Jesus extending the party. And I feel personally, in my own life, and I've seen tragedy, and I've seen all of the things that go with working in the Muslim world, it's really been a party. And I have absolutely loved it. And my wife and I are so blessed to be a part of it. There's the map. That's all those stand countries I've been working in and the agency that I work with. Uh, we have tried to be in all of those. I have started projects in every stand country on that particular map. And by God's grace, the first time I flew over that part of the world, it was still the Soviet Union. Most of it was. 110 million Muslims, and that was a, now we find out that was a small number compared to what there really was. And as far as we knew, there was one believer. One. None of the languages had the Bible in their tongue. And now, by the grace of God, we're just trailing along with Jesus as he's building his church. There's worshiping communities in every one of those stand countries. Oh, there's a lot to do. I'm not ever trying to say there's not a lot to do. But God has wonderfully built his church. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. But tonight I want to talk about, I want to speak to all of us individually. I want to speak more about the urgency for us to be king, to build the kingdom. That's, that's the theme. The theme here is building the kingdom of God. I shared this morning the reason we have to be so passionate about this and we have to get on with this and it's because the kingdom of darkness is so evil. It is so painful to the people that it has in bondage. They have to be released. And the only way they'll be released is by this wonder of the gospel and people taking the gospel into the uttermost parts of the world, but also next door. I was not raised in a Christian home. In fact, I was raised far from a Christian home and went through similar things you've heard already from some of the men. But my wife, bless her heart, she turned to the Lord and she began ministering to me. Finally, she talked me into going to church with her, which I did. And there was two things that was said at that meeting that changed my life. One was this. Life is short. 
and eternity is long. And I thought to myself, how, how can I get my mind around that? I had no concept of eternal life. The other one was this, and this really shattered me. There is nothing more certain than death and nothing more uncertain than when. All of you put your hand up, please. Everybody here. Now, I want you to leave your hand up if you think you're going to be here 10 years from now. (laughs) Telling, isn't it? How many of you, by the way, you can leave your hand up if you think you're going to be here 20 years from now. Now, for those of you who are, I I can carry on. How many, leave it up if you're going to be here 50 years from now. And for any of you who are just completely off the Richter scale, how many of you, take it down if you think you're going to be here 100 years from now. The reality is we're all, we were born terminally ill. That's who we are. That is the Genesis 3 story. We are only here a little while. And while we're here, we have this opportunity to serve Jesus. Only one life to live. Only one life to give. Only one, not two. A millisecond after we take our last breath, eternity is established and set for you and me. No second chances. Scriptures are very clear on that. So I want to concentrate on three things that we only can do now. Only now, not later. Wasn't it wonderful music? Thank you, Alistair. And and you know what? You're not even close to what we're going to have in heaven. (laughs) By the way, it was good. But in heaven... You're sitting next to your friends and you've got fellowship and you enjoy life and all of these things. But in heaven, we get to do it forever. I'll see my grandma there, my aunts and uncles who went ahead of me. You see, heaven is a real place. We're going there. And when we get there, most of the things we enjoy now, we'll get to do then even better. But there's a few things we can only do now. Let me read out of Revelation. I'm in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. I don't think Paul in the morning Bible readings are ever going to get there, so I'm going to skip ahead of him. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. I don't want you to skip that part. John, apostle, 60 years after ascension, to the what? Seven churches in the province of Asia. What did Jesus say he would do? He would build his church. Sixty short years later, here's already seven churches. And you can add to that, he's doing it. He's doing exactly what he would said he would do. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. 
from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Don't you just love that? He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. It's not somewhere in Washington, D.C. I don't care what they think. It's not North Korea. It's not on the banks of the Thames. The ruler is on his throne. And God, I believe, in a marvelous way, is shaking the world, not just nations now. He's shaking the world, letting us know just how helpless we are without him. He is the ruler of the nations. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Ever and ever and ever. Amen. Lord, if there's anything I say now for the next few minutes that's true, would you, Holy Spirit, that inspired these words, inspire us to live it out day by day. And if there's anything I preach that is false, would you let the hearers quickly forget it? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in light of eternity, in light of what is ours if we are in Christ, I want us to look at these three things we can only do now. We can't do it later. Only now can we love the lost. Only now. We cannot do that later. Only now. There are no lost in heaven. Your neighbors, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, Uzbeks, Tajiks, Karakalpaks, if they don't know Christ, if they are not in Christ, we'll never get to love them again. Only now can we love the lost. Only now. You see, there are only two kinds of people. There are those who are saved and there are those who are lost. There is no between he who has the son, she who has the son, has the life. If they don't, they don't. It's done, it's settled. Saved and lost, that's all. There's no in-betweens. And only now. And we love the lost. Only now. I had a Muslim man who works for me. He worked for me many, many years. His name is Mirbaz. And I would talk to Mirbaz about Jesus. He was a bookkeeper, good bookkeeper. Finally, Mirbaz told me one day out of great, in great anger, he said, Chuck, don't you ever speak to me about Jesus again. I said, Mirbaz, I will honor your request. But there are two things you can't keep me from doing. You cannot keep me from loving you, and you cannot keep me from praying for you. Several years later, I was able to share again the love of Jesus with Mirbaz. This joy that is ours to love the lost is something we can only do now. 
And nothing can stop us. We can walk in this spirit of love, the first fruits of the spirit, all of these things that are ours. We allow it. It allows us to love others. And that's where the gospel comes in. For God so loved the world that we get to love. Oh, may it be that we love the world. And we tell them that the pain that comes with sin can be healed and can be restored and can be redeemed. You and I. Only now. You don't get a second chance. Please hear my heart here. The people you see day in and day out who don't know Jesus, you will not see in eternity. Only now can we love these people. Only now can these people have the hope of the gospel. When they take their last breath, there's no second chances. The only remedy for the pain that comes with the kingdom of darkness is the powerful gospel of the kingdom of light. Paul was given these words by Jesus. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's our message. That's the greatest expression of love. Please, please, please take it out. Only now, that's one thing, only now we can love the law. Only now can we disciple the nations. Only now. You see, heaven, we don't need to disciple people in heaven. The teacher is there. He is there. He will be in our midst. We will worship him. We will adore him. We will be about his business. And he will do the discipling. I can hardly wait to get there. But we must return. I believe one of the missing ingredients today of the practical church, what I call the outworking church, is the simple wonder of discipling. I believe we must get back to men discipling men and women discipling women. We have to return to the simplicity of that. I wish I could take you way up in the Himalaya Mountains to a, to a community that had never been impacted by the gospel. When I went to that town in 1991, there was one Christian in town, me, That's it, just me. Prayed, loved, cared for people. And then God began to work. And a man came up named Sajjad. And Sajjad began to pastor a small, growing group of followers of Jesus. Today I could take you to that town, and on a Sunday afternoon, there'd be 300 worshipers. But you know what they do their first hour? (laughs) They sing for a full hour. I've been pouring my life into Sajjad for 10 years now. One day I said, Sajjad, and I've tried to stay in the background. I said, Sajjad, why do you sing for a whole hour? They don't have any chairs, no pews. They're sitting on the floor. No electricity, playing a harmonium. 
Why do you sing for a whole hour, mostly out of the Psalms? He said, Chuck, he said, these people have been put down for a full week. They've been ridiculed. They've been given the lowest of the lowest jobs. They have been absolutely suppressed by the kingdom of darkness. He says, and when I bring them in, I just need to sing with them for about an hour before I can get their minds right so they can hear the word of God. You know what? I'm glad I poured my life into him. You know what you have to know to disciple one, to disciple someone else? Just a little bit more than they do. That's all. And you can share with them your failures, and they'll get better. You can share with them your strengths, and they'll get better. Your mistakes can be something they can build on, not just you. And I can't encourage you enough to come back to the simplicity of discipleship. Men to men. Women to women. And bringing people along to Jesus. Jesus invested in 12 and poured his life into three. And then he went to heaven. He took this discipleship very, very seriously. Finally, the third thing we can only do now. Only now can we love the lost. Only now can we disciple the nations. Only now can we lay up treasures in heaven. Only now, not later. Jesus said, do what? Lay up treasures where? In heaven. Rust doesn't get to it. Moths don't get to it. Stock markets don't ruin your portfolio. Lay up treasures in heaven. Now, don't wait. Paul talks about that, that purging, that, that, that judgment at the end. And he talks about that fire and we go through that fire. And what comes out the other end? Only eternal things there in 1 Corinthians 3. Only eternal things. Are we building eternal treasures in heaven? Jesus said, I give one a few talents and another one a few, few fewer talents and then another. And he said, what did they do with those talents? By the way, if you just hide them, he said, not good. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me, Jesus taught. It's, 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 it's New Testament teaching. Uh, Jamie Taylor said in the Gospel of John, work is mentioned 35 times. And only now, only now, can we be ready for eternity by laying up treasures in heaven? Only now. We cannot do it later. By the way, I have no idea how this fits with the sovereignty of God. I have no idea. I am convinced that God is 100% and totally sovereign. I am also convinced that I am 100% and totally responsible. I don't have a clue how those come together. I leave that with the omniscience of God. But I had to come to my own wrestling with this. And you know what I came to conclude? I can't do anything about the sovereignty of God. He's God. 
But I can be responsible about what I do with my life. And I can be about laying up treasures in heaven. Remember what Paul wrote to the first disciple of his or a disciple of his to Timothy? It's an interesting text. I'm in 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world. By the way, if I had you put your hand up again, I would have you all put your hand up here. I've often said if I, want, if I had to be poor, I'd want to be poor in the UK. You want to see poor, you take a walk with me. I'll show you ribs sticking out. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Hallelujah. Now, only now can we participate in that. When the curtain's drawn, we're done. Only now, love the lost, disciple the nations, lay up treasures in heaven. So what? (laughs) What now? I really want us to to say, okay, what do we do about this? May I suggest a few things? One, consecrate yourself anew. Consecrate yourself anew. When I'm saying consecrate yourself, I'm talking about consecrate your pots and pans. Consecrate the steering wheel on your car. Consecrate your tools if you're a carpenter. Consecrate your computer. If you're an IT person, consecrate your time, your life. Consecrate your everyday things. Consecrate your dining room table. May may I challenge you just a little bit? When's the last time you had a lost person at your dining room table? One of the best things I ever did for my children was to go downtown to the homeless peoples of Portland, Oregon when I was going through Bible college and gather them up off the street and bring them home for Thanksgiving dinner. Changed my children's lives. When's the last time your dining room table say, oh God, please take it. Take the food that comes on it, the silverware that's there, everything, the aroma that comes out of the kitchen. Take this hospitality is mine and bring the lost to it. Invite them in and let them break bread with you. That's what I mean by consecration. Give it all to him. The everyday things. Helen Roosevelt wrote, Will we allow God to strip us of our rights our right to order our own lives, to decide our lives, partner, to choose our jobs and places to work. That's what I mean by consecration. I believe that's what Paul said when he said, give yourself as a living sacrifice. 
And I believe if we do that, if we give it to God and we say, God, no matter what it is, take my thoughts, take my money, take my everything and use it to build your kingdom. I believe he'll do it. I am convinced he'll do it. And then cry out for courage. First consecrate yourself, then cry out for courage. I learned a long time ago on the trails that I walk, I don't want safety. I want courage. I ask the people who've prayed for me for 30 years now, please don't pray for my safety. Pray that I'll take risks for the gospel. Pray that I won't take the easy path, but that I'll walk the path of faith where I really trust the song, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Courage. Pray for courage. Instead of praying for my rights, pray for, have the courage to say, Lord, I don't want my rights. I want to bear a cross. Don't pray for comfort. Pray for suffering. Don't pray that you'll be caught up in fear but that you'll be caught up in bold authority that is ours in Christ Jesus. And maybe most of all, ask God to loosen your tongue and give you courage to speak the gospel. You see, the gospel is more than a message. The gospel is a power from God that's somehow bound up in a message, but it's released into the hearts and minds of those who receive it. And I've seen it happen time after time after time. Give me courage to become public school teachers or professors in universities who don't like us anymore. To be public servants who first serve Jesus. To be church members who come to give and to give and to give again. That's what I'm talking about with courage. And finally, ask yourself two questions. Am I completely available to God? You know, you could be the best, the most gifted person in the world. But if you're not available... It'll get you nowhere. I always tell people, you know, I don't know, really want to know about your spiritual gifts until I know about two, two, two things. One, are you available? Two, are you dependable? Ask yourself if you're available to God. And also ask yourself, if I'm available, will I be dependable? You know, I read the back of the book and we win. We win. There's no question we win. We're on the winning team. The score is settled. We win. It's, it's, a, it's a great book. Satan is finally destroyed. We win. Listen to these words of Jesus. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, 
first and the last, the beginning and the end. Thank you for letting me be a part of this great convention. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.